and hello from Boise, Idaho, and from Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, uh, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics. Special Sunshine Week edition. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we've been busy at the State House all week, but really a lot of interesting activity going on in the Caldwell School District. And uh, so I, we've been spending a good part of our week watching videotapes of Caldwell School Board meetings, and we've been uh, filing uh, complaints about Caldwell. Uh, I'll just kind of walk through this thing a little yeah. bit here quickly. Um, so basically, what happened on Saturday? Uh, school board out there met to interview three candidates for the superintendent's job. Uh, they held nine hours of closed interviews and executive session. That's fine. You're allowed to go into a closed meeting to interview candidates. The interesting things happened when the school board got out of executive session, went into open session. Uh, they immediately got on the phone to talk to the candidate who they want to hire, uh, Shalene French uh, from the Bonneville District. Um, the chairman of the school board uh, referenced some sort of a unanimous vote when there had been no vote taken in open session. So, the, so that raised questions that, that we had, and we actually filed a complaint with the prosecutor's office contending that it, it sounds like a vote was held in a closed executive session, which is illegal right. under the state law. That's the issue. The you can meet in executive session to discuss personnel issues and potential hiring of a candidate, but the actual business that a school board or a governing body uh, needs to conduct under law, under the Idaho uh, Public Records Act and Idaho Open Meeting Laws, needs to be ha happening out in a transparent, open manner, in, in full session in view of the public. And so that's the issue, and, and is the, it not, Kevin? Right, and the threshold point here in the state law is very clear about whether a final decision is made in executive session. That's what's not allowed. You cannot deliberate to the point of taking final action or making a final decision. It doesn't really say vote necessarily. It just get to a decision. So that was the crux of our complaint. So fast forward then to Wednesday night. The school board met again and acknowledged that they violated the open meetings law, but maybe not in the way that uh, we had uh, suggested that perhaps they did. They uh, to a person, everybody on the board went public saying, we didn't vote in executive session. Now, what they talked about was uh, one of the school board members said, it was pretty much an understanding that we all had. It was all a feel that we all kind of knew who we were wanting to hire, and that's why, uh, it, that's why we you know, knew where we were going. And uh, the chairman, who had talked about this unanimous vote back on, on Saturday, said that he had misspoken. So, at, at any rate... The school board is kind of starting over here. They've uh, claimed that they made other procedural mistakes or acknowledged other procedural mistakes. What does this all mean in terms of Caldwell? Let's get to that first. What it all means in terms of Caldwell is they're going to start over on Monday. Uh, they're going to have another executive session. They'll have another session to basically vote on a, a new superintendent. I have no reason to suspect that the outcome will be any different in terms of who they hire. Uh, I'd imagine it will probably still be Shalene French from Bonneville. But the procedure will be done differently, and it will basically be a do-over, as allowed under the state law. Right. So why did we make a big deal out right. of this? Right. Why, why did we do this? And, and our editor, Jennifer Swindell, uh, you know, did this. We had talked about it. Uh, but we were not trying to punish the Caldwell School District or get them in trouble. What we were pushing for is something that's very important, Kevin, to you and I as journalists, which is transparency and openness and pushing government uh, to do things 
out in the light of day, out in the public, to avoid secrecy, to, to, to have it be above board and open, transparent, out in front of the public. That's why we did right. it, not to not to poke somebody in the eye or, or to get somebody in trouble, but to push uh, for doing this kind of business in the full view of the public. It, it is about uh, following the letter and the spirit of the open meetings law and the public records law, that's not as much an issue as the open meetings sure. law is on this case. Uh, so it is a transparency issue for us. I mean, this is a key hire in a big district that has had a lot of problems. Uh, the new superintendent's going to get paid $130,000 to $140,000. So this is a big deal. This is an important hire. And where we came in was uh, about the transparency aspect. As I alluded to, this week is Sunshine Week. This is a week where media groups uh, really spotlight the importance of open meetings and open records laws, not just for the job we do, but for the public. Sure. Uh, so a bit of irony that it was Sunshine Week, uh, we reporters may or may not have celebrated that at the State House with with cake, <laughs> sort of this long story annual event, but really an important transparency issue in, in Caldwell. And wanted to start by talking about that and maybe explaining why it was such a big deal to us. A- absolutely, open meetings issues get a little nuanced, but I would recommend our listeners go to IdahoEdNews.org to check out the stories that both Jennifer and you have done about the Caldwell. Not only the hiring process, but the open meetings issues. Check it out and, at IdahoEdNews.org. Yes, absolutely. Check it out at IdahoEdNews.org. And one thing you can do at our website, uh, we do have the links to the video of the meetings. To Caldwell's credit, they do post videos of their school board meetings. So you can watch Saturday's meeting. It's only 16 minutes long. And, and you know, make your own decision about what you think may or may not have happened. And then watch the discussion on Wednesday. That's about a half hour. If you're interested, take the time. Now, yeah, let's what's bring us it, up at the State House? Let's bring us back to the State House, which is kind of the our big job this time of year. Kevin, on Friday morning, the Joint Budget Committee met, and it looks like the public school budget uh, may be pretty well almost entirely finalized at this point. What's the latest? Well, what happened on Friday was, uh, was kind of a two-fold thing. The big line item that was funded on Friday was literacy. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot this session about literacy. The bottom line from JPEC, they're going to put $9.1 million into the, into the literacy initiative. It's not what Governor Otter asked for. He had sought $10.7 million. So it comes up a little bit short, but uh, JPEC is saying, look, it, it, combined with the other money that we're putting into intervention, we think this is an adequate budget. Uh, what it really does in the big political scheme of things is it gets the K-12 budget to a 7.4% increase. And that was really the magic number. Mm -hmm. You wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. We've heard legislative leaders talk about it. 7.4 was a big number to legislators because it matches the increase that is in place for this year's budget. Uh, Lawmakers didn't want to go as far as Butch Otter wanted to with a 7.9% increase, but they didn't want to come in below where they were this year. So that 7.4 number is pretty sacred to a lot of legislators. But now all these budgets have to go through the House. They have to go through the Senate. They go to the governor's desk if that happens. So a lot of work still to be done on the budget, but some work that was done today. And even in, even on top of all of this, though, Clark, you've been in House education this week, and they're still looking for ways to maybe spend a little bit more money. Bring us up to speed on a lot of loose ends that are kind of coming out of 
How's that? Happy to. There's really three loose ends when you get down to it. And, and whether or not these things will receive funding or even advance, we don't know. We see it every year when the legislative session adjourns. Uh, bills that have support uh, do die. Lawmakers go home, and they're perfectly happy to do so in many cases. But the three loose ends are... First of all, let's just start with the most recent piece. On Friday morning, State Superintendent Sherry Ybarra was in the House Education Committee, and, and I made this kind of analogy to a last-second March Madness buzzer beater because she introduced a, a late-session bill to get her rural schools proposal off the ground. She's talked about this all year, um, and basically what she says is this is a way to help rural geographically isolated districts with some resources that they wouldn't otherwise have. So she pushed a new bill Friday morning that would create a pilot project that would work with 13 school districts up in North Idaho starting next year, 2016-2017 school year. And a little bit surprising, I think the chairman of the committee and Superintendent Ibarra and myself kind of walked into this meeting Friday morning believing that, oh, you know, hey, as a courtesy, they would introduce this bill to get the conversation started. So you have a bill out there so people can read the bill and look at it and talk about it next year. Yeah, get a little momentum for next year. That is not what happened. Uh, despite some concerns over the cost estimate and where the funding would come from, members of the House Education Committee uh, voted to skip a full hearing and send it directly to the House floor for a vote, hoping to get this thing advanced and to give it a chance uh, to move forward in what we believe could be the last week of the legislative session. So that thing is on its way to the House floor, uh, maybe up for a vote, depending on the whims of leadership, Monday, Tuesday of, of next week. And, and then we'll see if the Senate will take it up. That also, even if the bill were to pass, that does not resolve the estimated $300,000 cost, which is so far unbudgeted. So that's the first issue. The second issue, leadership premiums, leadership premiums which are... Essentially, salary bonuses mm -hmm. for for teachers and for educators that go above and beyond the call of duty. We had thought that that issue was dead for the year, uh, but again, on Friday morning, the vice chairwoman of the committee, Julie Van Orden from the Blackfoot area, introduced a new bill uh, that would increase the minimum amount of these salary bonuses from eight hundred and fifty dollars to nine hundred dollars. It would also clarify that nine hundred is the absolute minimum whether you're a full time or a part timer. Right. There a lot was of some confusion about that, a lot of, about uh, that with a, a report earlier in the year. Uh, so lawmakers did the same thing. Not only did they introduce this bill, they waived the full hearing again over some concerns about the funding. They sent this thing to the full house floor trying to give it a chance to advance. And we do see that, Kevin. The last two weeks of the session, lawmakers will bend and break rules. They'll put mm -hmm. things on a fast yep. track. You can have bills that aren't even written uh, be introduced and pass both chambers within a matter of day. Things happen yeah, very, very quickly. Uh, the last issue is student mobility. That's something that Reed DeMordon is pushing. That has to do with school districts that experience enrollment growth during the middle of the year. That is also unbudgeted, but that is also heading to the House floor for a vote early next week. We don't know what's going to happen. Even if these things pass the House, all three of them need to pass the Senate. All three of them are looking for funding, which has so far not yet been provided. And you add it all up, we're talking about, about $3 million for these three, give or take. Around $3 million for all three proposals. Not a huge chunk of money when we're talking about a $1.5, $1.6 billion education budget. But it's money that's not there at the moment. So we'll see um, 
what happens, but there's also some other issues that we've been following closely. Kevin, uh, this week, a couple of constitutional issues that came up. Right, and, and they all kind of they both kind of get back to issues of uh, church and state and religion in the schools. Uh, Clark, you spent two days listening to the debate over the Bible bill uh, that got out of the House and is headed to the House floor. Now the House Education Committee sent it to the floor. Yeah, there were concerns from the Attorney General's office, concerns from lawmakers on the committee that this bill, which is seeking to establish the Bible and other religious texts as a reference in public schools, mm-hmm. something which is already allowed under existing state law, by the way, there were concerns that this could violate uh, the separation of church and state clauses in specifically the Idaho Constitution and open the door for lawsuits. That did not matter to a majority of the House Education Committee who said, you know, lawsuits are, are part of life, part of being a legislature, and we will deal with them and pay for them as they come along. So that's off to the House floor. That's already cleared the Senate. So that's on its way to uh, its last legislative hurdle. So we'll watch that next week. Kevin, on a related issue, we heard more about the Blaine Amendment, but it's not necessarily moving forward no, like some of these others. No, it's not. It's, uh, we sat in on a hearing on Thursday with the House and Senate Education Committees. It was really kind of an informational session. This is the constitutional amendment we heard a lot about earlier this session, dealing with uh, with funding for uh, religious programs, uh, religious education. Uh, started out pitched largely as a protection for students who use state scholarships to go to religious-based schools like uh, like BYU Idaho or Northwest. Nazarene. Which we now know the attorney general says is a, perhaps a legitimate. Constitutional right, right. concern. Yeah, I wrote about this on my blog on Friday, uh, an AG's opinion. Again, a, the AG had to weigh in on both of these issues. They were asked by legislators to, to weigh in. The AG's office said the way the state distributes these scholarships to religious schools is uh, is probably unconstitutional. So you, you may need to fix that. You would think that that might be something that comes up in the debate over this uh, religious uh, schools amendment, which is not really going to go anywhere this session. There was discussion in the committees on Thursday, interesting uh, in that the discussion really focused on how this amendment, if it ever were to pass, not going to happen this year, if it were to ever pass, would open the door to a lot of school choice programs. So there's a lot more to this issue. Uh, The leading sponsor even admitted as much in this hearing, a little bit of a departure. So not as much of a uh, front burner issue for us this year, but uh, certainly something we'll keep an eye on moving forward. Because we are getting down to the end of this legislative session, perhaps. Um, this could be the, the final week of the session uh, next week. Uh, we'll, we'll see, though. There's still a lot hanging out. We, we, yeah, we need to see votes on all the major education budgets, including the late-breaking uh, supplemental education budget bills that came forward at the end of this week. We need some resolution on... The bills that we talked about involving the Rural Schools Initiative, uh, leadership premiums, and student mobility. And so even though we're at the tail end of it... And what may or may not hang up the session really may not have to do with education directly. Uh, there are a lot of talk. We don't write much about the healthcare issue because it really doesn't you know, tie into our mission here covering K-12. But that's a big issue that may still... Uh, keep the legislature in town beyond next week. We'll, we'll see. There was a significant tax cut bill that was was killed, but I think they're going to take another shot, maybe and, by amending another bill. And that we will watch because obviously it will affect the bottom line and what's available to, to K-12. So 
there's a lot of a lot of variables going on. You have said next week is the the week. I've said that too. We'll see. There's a lot that could keep them beyond uh, next week. We'll we'll just find out. We'll see. Real quick, just have a little fun at the end. When we get down to the end of the legislative session, do we see um, yeah. the dress choices change, particularly among the press corps? What's up with the ugly you, you ties? Know, you know you're near the end of the legislative session when uh, like when uh, reporters start to wear uglier ties than usual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's face it, we're reporters. Um, this was a tradition that uh, Bob Thicke, who used to be a longtime correspondent with the AP, uh, a brilliant writer when it came to writing about budgets, um, when he felt that the session had gone on about as long as it should, uh, he would start to bust out these really, really wide, garish, loud ties uh, as sort of his signal to the legislature that it's time to wrap up business and go home. It became kind of this lighthearted sort of a thing between him and and the legislators. There is still a cache of ugly ties in the Statehouse press room. No reporters have yet gone to that uh, storehouse of, of ugly ties. Next week may be the week. It, it may happen. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of etiquette issues here, too. And I I have, at least on one occasion, been accused of wearing an ugly tie when I was not deliberately wearing <laughs> it's an ugly tie. It's happened to me, too. You know, and, you know, to a much lesser degree, it's a little bit like, you know, you, if you don't know for sure about whether a woman is, is pregnant or not, <laughs> you don't assume. And, you know, the tie is not as big a deal. But, you know, no. so there are etiquette issues, there are, you know, decorum and attire issues. A lot of variables as we head to the end of the legislative session, maybe next week. We will see. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, remind people they can follow Idaho Education News on Twitter and like us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. We will be back next Friday with a brand new edition of the Extra Credit Podcast. And it remains to be seen whether we will be talking about the legislative session having adjourned or whether we will still be wearing our ugly ties, hunkering down for perhaps another week or more. Uh, of of good old-fashioned fun within the Statehouse. As always, thanks so much for listening to Extra Credit. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.